In the Project Quantum Leap's waiting room, Dr. Beckett's body lay motionless on a bed, surrounded by four walls that pulsated in a bluish hue. Standing over him was Admiral Calavici and Dr. Verbena Beeks. Even though he was dressed in the usual bright clothes, this time his favourite shocking red suit with tie to match, Verbena had donned the white uniform required as standard dress code for all Project personnel while on duty, except, of course, for Al. The psychiatrist had her fingers on Sam's wrist, while Albert watched, puffing on his cigar anxiously. His pulse is so weak, she stated, a concerned look on her face. It's almost as if he wants to die. Al stared at the near-lifeless body. He always found it an uneasy experience when he saw the scientist's features, yet knew it wasn't really him. Maybe this guy Lomax wishes to, but I know very well Sam Beckett doesn't. He took the cigar out of his mouth and twirled it nervously between fingers and thumb. But if this guy does give up, then we've lost Sam for good. A voice sounded out over the intercom, timid but rather excitable like a chipmunk. Admiral, it was Gushi. Ziggy has the profile you requested. Thank heavens for small mercies. Al gave a slight smile in Fabina's direction, then left the waiting room. He'd been feeling helpless regarding Sam's situation. Maybe now he'd be able to work out why Dr. Beckett was in the predicament he was in. One could always hope. Dr. Beckett held the little girl closer to his chest and stroked her hair. Right at that moment he felt completely helpless himself. All right, he knew he was her father, but who was she and why was she in limbo with him? All he could think was that she died in some way and couldn't be at peace. That made him feel very sad indeed. He heard the sound of metal sliding against metal and knew it had to be the door of the imaging chamber. Looking up with anticipation, he saw Al step out. Sam grinned when he noticed the attire his friend was in. You should be downstairs for wearing a suit like that, he said, pointing below. Pardon, Daddy? The little girl's sobbing had ceased and now she looked bewildered. I see we've still got our sense of humour, Al remarked. He took a look around the barren white area. I can see why you need it. Sam turned his attention to the girl and thought of a way to include Al in the conversation without sounding completely insane. Oh, honey, I have a friendly angel who only I can see and hear. The observer walked over to them and smiled down at the girl. Oh, she's the little angel around here. Taking the hand link out of his pocket, he pressed a key and read out the information displayed on the small screen. Her name is, or rather was, Angela Lomax. She was only six years old when he stopped and stifled a sniffle. Apparently she was killed when her father accidentally knocked her down. What? How? Sam asked, his voice quavering a little. Angela stared at him. Why are you so sad? What does the angel say to you? It's all right, sweetheart, he replied, trying not to show the tears he could feel welling up inside. As Al continued to read out the tragic tale, he too felt remorseful. It seems Angela was playing in the garden of her home. She heard her father come out of the house. He was saying goodbye to her mother, as he did every day before he left for work. Al paused, then added, Andrew Lomax was married to Jennifer Studwell, a British air stewardess who he met in California during one of her flights over to L.A. He also has a job as a sales... At that precise moment, the sentence has decided to stick. Al was in no mood for this and angrily tapped the device, to which he responded with a squeal in a high-pitched tone. Um, a sales rep for a large computer firm. 
So how did it happen? Sam asked, wishing Ziggy would arrive at the most important part. The observer continued. He went into the garage to start up the car, a Testarossa Ferrari. Ow! Sam yelled, get to the point. Angel Al? Angela asked curiously. Uh, yes, honey. It's not my fault, Al complained, giving the handling a hefty swipe. As usual, it screeched in equal protest. He continued reading the information. The little girl was unaware of the danger and followed her father. The mother had gone back inside, so she didn't realise Angela was heading for the garage. She ran across the drive just as her father was backing out the vehicle. She died instantly. Sam closed his eyes, allowing a tear to course down his cheek. The little girl took hold of his hand, a look of concern on her pretty face. Daddy, please don't cry. You're here with me now. The physicist squeezed her hand gently, managed to smile and looked across at his holographic friend, who also seemed rather forlorn. Do you have any news about the guy in the hospital? He referred to Andrew. That was so Angela wouldn't know he was talking about her father. Al looked at the screen and gave a heavy sigh. Andrew Lomax tried to take his own life after he got divorced from his wife, who couldn't cope with the tragedy. His life became a mess and he ended up in a coma in Mercy Hospital. He never forgave himself for what happened. Sam asked quietly under his breath. He looks that way, Al replied. Then he had an idea. Maybe he wants his daughter's forgiveness. It might help him let go of the hate and guilt that's buried so deep inside and Sam interrupted him. And he's keeping her here in limbo. Then he added, Al, I know why I'm here. To free the little girl's soul so she can finally be at peace, Al told him, already aware the scientist was thinking along those same lines. Yes. Angela looked confused. Daddy, why are you talking so funny? Sam lifted her head and kissed her softly on the cheek. Honey, you don't want to stay in this place forever, do you? No, she whispered. I felt so lonely and lost, but now you're here. Sam glanced at the hologram. Do I tell her, Al? I think in this case you should. What? Angela asked. Daddy, what do you want to tell me? Dr. Beckett took a deep breath and let it out slowly. How do you tell the spirit of a six-year-old you're a scientist from the future who experimented with time travel? Then again, the innocent mind of a young child is full of imagination. They believe in Santa Claus and fairies at the bottom of the garden, and this poor little mite was even aware of the spirit world. It couldn't be that difficult to explain. Angela, I'm... I'm not your father. The little girl looked puzzled. But you look like my daddy. Sam sighed. Yes, I know I do, but I'm not him. He's in the hospital, very sick. Honey, I know he wants you to forgive him. For what, she asked, then added, Oh, yes, the accident that sent me here. Sam nodded. I'm here to help you, honey. Angela smiled and gazed up into his eyes. You're another angel? Dr. Beckett looked at Al, who grinned, then shrugged his shoulders. He turned back to Angela. Well, yes, I guess I am, kind of. What's your name? Sam. That's a nice name for an angel, she replied sweetly. Thanks. He gave her an affectionate hug. Suddenly the hand link began to squeal like a cat caught in a tumble dryer, shattering the tranquil moment. What the... Al tapped several buttons on the abstract keypad and his face fell. 
Sam noticed immediately and stood up quickly, nearly knocking the little girl over. What's the matter, Sam? She asked nervously, getting to her feet. Angel Al is about to explain. He walked over to the hologram. Well, he asked concerned. Not satisfied with the information he'd just received, the observer performed the ritual of bashing the handlink several times. This can't be right, he said frustrated. What? Sam exclaimed. It keeps reading life's up. Sam Beckett panicked. What do you mean by life's up? He didn't wait for an answer. Oh my God, it's the hospital. The scientists suddenly had disturbing visions of being trapped in between life and death forever. My daddy, Angela said with a worried expression. In his panic, he'd forgotten the little girl. Oh honey, I'm sorry. He took hold of her hand. The Admiral tried to calm things down. No, Sam, I didn't mean your life is up. It says here L-I-F-E-S-U-P, he spelled out. So unless Ziggy's forgotten how to spell, I don't think it means what you just said. Sam frowned, considering. Life sup, he queried. And what else does Ziggy say? Is my daddy all right? Angela asked, concerned. Who's Ziggy? Dr. Beckett squeezed her hand gently. Everything is going to be all right. Then he quickly added, Ziggy's another angel. Yeah, I replied moodily. An angel that needs a good kick up the owl, Sam snapped. Just find out what it means, okay? The Admiral punched out a code on the keypad and shook the handlink rather fiercely. Come on, you stupid piece of junk, he said, exasperated. Don't break down on me now. The device emitted a piercing squeak and Sam glanced despairingly at the ground until he heard the Admiral's cry of relief. Aha, got it. It says, uh-oh, uh-oh what, Sam retorted angrily. He disliked the phrase I'll used as it almost always spelled disaster. It says life support machine, Al added hastily. Gushy sent to me on Mercy Hospital, 1999. Al, wait, Sam cried, but it was too late. In a second, the hologram had vanished from sight. You and Angel Al don't seem to get along very well, Angela stated. Do you always fight? Oh, constantly, Sam replied. That's why we're such good buddies. Then he remembered Al's sudden exit. It was something to do with the life support machine keeping Lomax alive, and in doing so was keeping him alive as well. The fact the hologram had disappeared with a very concerned look on his face made Sam think something serious was happening back on Earth. He turned to embrace the little girl once more. Al's gone to sort a few things out, honey, but he'll be back. He won't let us down, he told her, while at the same time trying to reassure himself.